Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Um, back for another NBA show, myself and Ryan, who's coming up in just a minute. Um, just some news next week. Um, next Monday, Tuesday, we're going to be launching Across the Pond MLB podcast. Three great hosts for you. Um, so that's coming up. Obviously, the NHL podcast will um, be out as usual on Sunday. That show's going really well. Some great guests. Um, we had Tristy on, um, who's a big Devils fan uh, this week. Um, so if you want to check that out, um, you can do that under Across the Pond NHL podcast. Um, get us on our social medias across the pond sports podcast um, on Instagram, on Twitter, um, on Facebook, on Twitter at ATP Sports Pod, um, and on Clubhouse because Clubhouse is, is big now. So is at ATP Sports. Um, we're going to get on the show. There is a lot to get into. Um, it's been a busy week in the NBA. Okay, welcome back. We have Ryan back with us uh, this week. Unfortunately, um, New York decided to have a time zone change, um, which kind of screwed us up for our guests this week. Um, Joey will come back on at some sometime um, in the future. Uh, but for the moment, you've stuck with me and Ryan. Um, Ryan, how has your NBA week been? Yeah, it's been nice. I mean, getting getting back to actual some basketball after that what we could call an all-star game um has been has been good to see some of our some of our kind of likely candidates actually starting to perform again i think a lot of them who were either not involved in the all-star game or had maybe a couple too many mojitos in their little break there took them a couple of games really to get to get going you know so it's good to see is there any games since all-star game um that have really stuck out for you uh, I think, I mean, the ones that I've I've really paid quite close attention to is just the normal uh, 76ers ones. Um, seeing Joel go down, which we'll talk a little bit about later, was a bit kind of, you know, bit disheartening. Um, Jimmy doing Jimmy things as per usual. Uh, and then uh, Lamelo Ball just, you know, being just the rookie of the year. Saying, all right, now that's it. It's Game's over, guys. Just pack up your stuff, go home. He's got it. Well, but Ben Simmons isn't winning it this year. Well, no, he has a rookie. When, when was the last time a, a jazz player won the rookie year? Has that, has that been a while? Yeah. Well, you know what? He would have won it if it hadn't <laughs> been for red shirt um, rookie Ben Simmons. Donovan Mitchell had that tied up. Here, I mean, I, I got to say, Donovan Mitchell was playing better in his rookie year than he is playing just now. That's, that's for damn sure. Oh, 
That's, that's harsh. Um, I, I think what you'll find is Donovan is trying to be a bit more mature with his play and bringing his team. Because I think as a team, they're playing a hell of a lot better um, than he, they did in his rookie year. Um, so there's been quite a lot happening in the NBA um, over this last week. Um, certainly a lot more than happened over the All-Star weekend. Um, who's back? Karis. Karis Levert. He's back from his, his little kind of mini operation there. Um, very, very quickly. I, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked he's back this quickly. I thought, um, reading a lot of the reports, they were going to ramp up quite slowly, but they just chucked him straight in. I did notice that he did say against the Lakers, who obviously uh, Bjorken thought, mm, maybe not a good matchup. You know, Caruso, THT, bit kind of aggressive. Um, probably don't want to bash sides and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised that he sat out against Lakers. Um, but, you know, playing against the Suns, it, it's not it's not an easy matchup for a guy who's not played for the best part of, what, three, four months. So good to see him back. Yeah, he played 26, well, 27 minutes against the Suns, 13 points, seven rebounds and two assists. I would have to say for someone who hasn't played um, for a while, and, and let's be clear, the last time he played, it was in a Nets uniform. Um, this is this is pretty good news um, if you're a Pacers fan because I think, yes, you've got Sabonis, you've got Brogdon, you've got Turner, um, but you were looking for Levert to kind of be a standout player. And then when he arrived and had his medical, um, obviously it, it was found that he had an issue and he needed surgery. It was good that they... It was actually probably a blessing in disguise that he got traded and he had to go through that medical, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed how you said all those names there and you left off one big key piece of their their season. You left off TJ. TJ has been absolutely rocking out. Um, he almost had a quadruple-double the other night. You know, he, was, he had a triple-double with steals, assists, points. He almost had it with blocks. It was just, It was just insane. You know, he was just doing everything around the ball. Right, okay, but against the Suns, he scored two points. He's, well, you, you know, he's, he's one, trying one to One game doesn't himself. make a superstar. Well, one game, it was th- it was like two and a half months he was balling out for. You know, he doesn't he doesn't put up that many points. He's not a shooter. Everyone knows he's not a shooter. He's got that little kind of fadeaway, uh, kind of Chris Paul-ish um, in-the-lane jump shot that he, that he, that he does a lot. But he doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to light you up from mid-range. He's, he's got one move and that's it. But what he does around the ball and for that team is immense. He is he's going to be a difference maker in, in the playoffs. I'll tell you that for something. I think one of his mentors is J.J. Redick because um, obviously they played together for a while. Um, and I remember listening to J.J. Redick's podcast when he had one on the ringer. And he, he loved T.J. McConnell. And, like, apparently they've got to dinners together and everything else. And I think, although he's, yeah, like you say, he isn't an out, an out shooter or anything like that. He, he does a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, but I think he took a lot from J.J. Redick um, in terms of how he goes about how he plays his game. And those intangibles are now really coming out to the forefront. And I think he has turned into um, a really strong rotational player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not surprised he's, he was really good friends with uh, JJ. I mean, think about it. JJ wants the ball to shoot threes. TJ loves giving up the ball, doesn't like to shoot threes. He's they're, they're totally a match made in heaven. So um, it's good to it's good to see him, you know, really get almost a team to himself. I, if I was if I was Bjorken, I I would actually rather see TJ on the court than Brogdon. I think Brogdon's been a bit of a kind of deflated a deflated mess this year. Um, even though he's been given all the opportunities under the sun, obviously they had Jeremy Lamb at the start of the season. They didn't, obviously they had Victor Depot playing a lot of reduced minutes. Um, and now they had, obviously, Karis LeVert out. And Brogdon's not really shown that the kind of glim- glimpses that he showed in, in the Bucks uniform. And he's he's not really kind of panned out, if, if I could say at all, from what they thought they were getting. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think what they've got um, at the moment in Brogdon, he isn't looking great. 
Levert coming in could really give him a kick up the rear end that he needs to to start kind of thinking, you know, this guy's coming in. He can play a bit of point guard. Um, he did it in, in Brooklyn. So he can come in um, with a pretty big oomph. And, and hopefully you see Brogdon kind of spurred on by that um, and kind of start to take a bit more responsibility instead of kind of leaving it to the other guys in the team. Um, one of the games that kind of stood out to me over the weekend um, was the Knicks and the Thunder. And I say the Knicks more more so because actually the Thunder are having a pretty pretty decent season. Um, but this Knicks team, um, at the beginning of the season, I was kind of like, they still won't make the playoffs. You know, they'll maybe have to play in that play-in round that they're going to have before beforehand. But yeah, there's, there's no great shakes. They, they pretty much did over the Thunder, who are a solid Western Conference team. Um, 119 to 97. Randall played 40 minutes. Bullock played 36, as did um, Barrett. I mean, those are some big, big minutes. Can, I mean, we've seen this and we, we've talked about it before as well. Can um, Tom Thibodeau allow these players to play these a mass amount of minutes and still make a playoff, and even if they do make the playoff, can they actually like have anything left in the tank by the time they get there? I got I got to calm myself down. I can't stop laughing the fact that you said, "Can Thibodeau allow these players to play this kind of minutes?" What do you mean allow? They they literally could be sitting there with half an arm, no feet, and Thibodeau would be saying, "Get out on the floor. We're not done yet. We're going to for." the fourth overtime in a row for the fifth game in a week. You've got to play. But we've got guys on the bench, Tom. They are young. You're a veteran. You will play now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that they're, they're doing this to teams that they, they are considered, obviously, um, a bit of a kind of shock to the system in the East. And I think the reason why they're a shock to the system of so many teams is they play a, a very old-style game. They will grind you down they will, you know, inflict as much punishment as they can on you on the on the inside, and they will just, you know, bludgeon you to death at, at points. So I'm not surprised they're doing so well. They're one, obviously, they're still one of the best defensive teams in the league, which going on past records, a New York team in defense, it, those two words don't go together. But Tom, obviously, renowned defensive coach, so he's he's definitely brought that into the into the mix there. Um, just a just a side note. The, the Thunder have so many absences just now. So I, I take that that kind of scoreline with a little pinch of salt. Like every other game, they're missing Shea, Gildress, Horford, Theo Maladon. They, they've, they've actually brought up some of our G League guys again just so they can actually have enough bodies to fuel the team. So they've got the young guy, Pochuszkiewski. Uh, I'll never get his name right. Poco, we'll call him Poco, um, and he's he's you know he's looking like a like a player. Um, so at the start of the season, I don't know if you've watched any of, any of his games, but I'm pretty sure we saw him like zero from twenty three from three points, and he kept taking three pointers, and it was like just stop. You just you can't just you know just stop shooting. Play some defense. You'll find your role. Nah, nah, he just kept shooting. He made one, and then he didn't make another one for another like ten or twelve attempts. So him coming back from G League is it's good to see that he's learned a little bit. But that Thunder team, I don't know what they're going to end up like because they're I don't know what their rotations are. Yeah, it's probably hard. I think as well to think of if you're the coach, it's probably exceptionally hard to to have a, a kind of set rotation or rotation that you would like to have. Given in this game, they they, they did have Horford for this game, but they were missing Scala, Ariza. Uh, Baisley, Diallo, um, Gilgis, Alexander, Hill. I mean, some of those are stars on a decent team um, and some of them are pretty decent um, uh, rotation players. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at the starting lineup, probably Horford and Dort are probably your kind of, <laughs> your kind of established names. And that's Dort as well, um, who's obviously not been in the league as, nearly as long as Horford. And, Horford's. He's basically just just a reincarnation of Andre Robertson. Yeah, and, and nothing more than that. And Horford is obviously a bit long in the tooth and coming to the latter stages of his 
of his career. So it will be interesting to see how the Thunder kind of get through all this. I mean, we've seen it in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. They, from, I think it was week two, uh, week three and week four, like half their team was out injured. Um, and it remained like that throughout the season. I think it turned out that they had had, and this is, was some of the same players, um, I think they had about 100 and odd injuries throughout the season. And they only have like a, what, a 53 man, 54 man roster. Um, and some of those injuries were pretty big. Um, so it, it, you do have to feel for teams that go through this, um, especially through the season. COVID obviously doesn't help because um, there's all the contact tracing, hence why Embiid and your boy Simmons uh, missed out on the All-Star weekend because they'd rather get a, a haircut. Um, however, I still think Doc Rivers um, probably planted that trace and thing um, so his guys wouldn't get hurt in All-Star weekend. Hey, we, we talked about it all a week there about Devin Booker not playing and then suddenly he comes back and drops, what was it, 35 or something, the first game back. Oh, my knee's a little bit sore. I won't participate in the All-Star game, but I'll go and like be on the court for 35 minutes and drop 35 points, eight assists, and just some crazy numbers in the next game. Mm, something doesn't smell right there. Yeah, um, um, we did see it in the NFL as well. Like The quarterback would be COVID-listed until Saturday, and then all of a sudden on Saturday night, he was he'd be good to play on Sunday. And you were kind of like, oh, hang on a minute that other team that you're about to play, their defense has been coached to play against one quarterback. And now you're going to put in the starting quarterback who would normally play all of a sudden at last minute. So um, I did have a, a theory that Pittsburgh did that once. And um, a couple other teams had done it throughout the season. Bill Belichick had tried it, but obviously Cam Newton was, was rubbish anyway. So it didn't really matter. But uh, so, yeah, I think I think there has been a bit of tactics around injuries this year because obviously in the NBA we have the issue with time management and players being rested for um, nationally televised games and so on. You know, Kawhi Leonard, he, he is one who does like to take a couple of games off here and there and, you know, sit and drink Mai Tais down in San Diego while his uh, team are playing. So it's... It swings and roundabouts, I guess, um, because I suppose you don't want to have. Certainly, if you're like a, if you're a Philly fan just now, you're kind of wishing Joel Embiid had been rested, um, because then he's maybe not out for two to three weeks. So it, it, it's kind of swings and roundabouts. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a real big one. Um, the fact that he's going to be out for for at least that time. But if you have a look around the NBA, you've got a lot of big guys all out with you know different knee back ankle injuries and stuff like that. You've got Kevin Durant looking like he's going to miss another possibly two weeks. Um, Anthony Davis looking like he's going to be out for possibly three weeks. Joel Embiid now obviously been out for a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if these teams are actually being like just way overly cautious here and saying, look, all the other teams, the big teams around us, they're all suffering with these kind of same mysterious injuries. Can we just, you know, say, oh, look, he's hurt himself a little bit, right? Go and sit down for a couple of weeks. Because we can, you know, no one really cares about the, the standings these days, really, especially now they've extended this this play-in game business down the bottom. So usually what's going to happen is you're going to have, if you end up in the first, second or third spot, you're probably going to be ending up facing a team that's really battled hard to get into the playoffs. So you can you can rest your guys. You know, you can definitely rest your guys a lot more than usual, I think. I think as well, with the the way that the format's going, um, and the way that there's no fans in a lot of stadiums still, um, and, and the stadiums that are having fans, it's limited. Um, is, there, is there really home court advantage? And we talked about it during the bubble. Um, there wasn't really a, a home court advantage. Obviously, everyone was playing on the same court for a start, but um, now that teams are playing in their own buildings, it, it is kind of strange to to feel that. Um, and I and I remember in the NFL again that it was a, the Buffalo Bills didn't have fans in there till the playoffs, and that made a difference. Like <clears throat> six thousand fans did make a difference, um, and kind of got the team pumped up. But we'll have to see what happens <clears throat> with the NBA and. Um, 
with fans come playoff time because now there's a vaccine, people are getting vaccinated. There's I've heard talk that the NBA, if you can turn up, if you buy a ticket, um, before you buy the ticket, yeah, kind of have to prove that you've had your vaccination and stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the NBA kind of start to roll out allowing more fans into buildings. Obviously, it depends on the state that they're in and the state legislators and, and what they've kind of legislated for um, in terms of crowds and stuff. So it'll be quite interesting. And what else has been happening around the, the NBA this week? Just a um, bit of an announcement about Carmelo Anthony. He's still playing. He's still doing what he usually does. Shoot a lot, but surprisingly, doing really, really well off the bench. Um, he's just uh, made it past Hakeem to go into 11th all-time for the scoring, which I'm, I'm surprised after him being out of the league for a year that he managed to do. He's also possibly closing in a number 10 spot, which he could get to this year. It's feasible, but he does need to keep up this real kind of hot streak that he's been on. He is a player who frustrated me um, when he was at New York. Um, we, we spoke a, a couple of weeks ago about who it's Jeremy Lin and Lin Sanity, and I loved Lin Sanity. Um, I, was, I was a big fan of that. I wasn't such a big fan of, Mel, uh, of Mello. I, obviously, he's got the nickname Olympic Mello. He turns up to Olympics and they get a gold medal, and that's fine. But in terms of NBA titles, I actually was a fan of him turning up in Portland. Um, and I thought, you know what, for Dame, for CJ... Uh, for Nurkic and Tiger injured, um, I thought that's actually a really smart fit. And I think now that he's recognised that he is not a starter player, like he can start the odd game, but I think now that he's kind of realised that, you know, I'm not going to be running the show because there's these two superstars on that team already, potentially three. Um, I think he, I think he's almost as if the pressure's taken off him. So he can actually just go and have fun and, and play basketball. What what I'm most surprised at is he's playing defense. You know, he's he's, he's getting a couple of blocks and the occasional steal per game now, which he didn't do in Houston. He didn't do when he was in OKC. He definitely didn't do in New York. He was just, give me the ball, I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to put up 40 to 50 points and you're going to love me. That was literally it. I don't know if you've seen any of the games about um, when the... Trailblazers were playing the Timberwolves, um, but Anthony Edwards has been dunking on everyone. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of those highlights. They were some ridiculous, you know, impressive, impressive dunks from from the young sir. Um, but Melo was going to get posterized in one and decided, no, I'm not going to challenge that. Instead, I'm going to slap my teammate in the face. So yeah, that was that was quite a funny instance there. Yeah, I'm sure his teammate really enjoyed that. <laughs> that was a weird turn of events. Um, yeah, you're gonna posterize me, you slap someone. So, um, just to, to make it look even more odd. But um, your boy Lomelo, he is—he's uh, been putting on a bit of a show lately in Charlotte. I mean, I said at the start of the year that you know that that team is going to be pretty, pretty scary when it comes to playoff time. And the fact that he's just, you know, he's matured into this, you know, absolute beast of a point guard. And I don't think anyone really thought it was going to happen because look what happened to Lonzo. Lonzo took like three years before he actually done anything of note. And suddenly his younger brother, I mean, everyone kind of agreed that his younger brother was probably going to be better than him. It kind of, it's kind of been going that way where as you go down the the ball family tree, the younger you get, the better you're going to be. But, you know, I, I'm just I'm shocked that he's just kept this kind of run up, especially now that Devontae Graham's back in in the in, in the rotation. Um, what I'm what I'm most surprised at is he's actually becoming more and more efficient with the shots he's taking and with the passes he's doing. He's he's shown that he's not just all flash. There has obviously been the occasional I'm just going to throw this as hard as I can. Hope this hopefully this guy catches it, but he's making sensible game winning decisions which are, is just fantastic from the youngster. One thing that surprised me is that Gordon Hayward is playing so many minutes. Um, he, he's always always been an efficient player. Obviously, he's kind of a couple of years in Boston 
were tough um, and it was very hard to be efficient when you're worried about your leg and if it's going to give way. Um, and I think he, he still probably, I think he probably still niggles mentally with that. But one thing I will say, and it has impressed me, is that his play um, with ball has been pretty good. Um, I think I think bringing in Hayward was an expensive contract and probably one that they probably could have got cheaper. They brought him in, they gave him the expensive contract, but I'm now starting to think that the reason that they did that was that Ball has a, a mentor, but someone sensible, someone kind of low-key, someone who kind of flies under the radar. He, he flew under the radar in Utah for so long, um, and obviously it was only until you know, Utah started to get a bit better, make the playoffs, he, he's kind of got a bigger name, bigger prominence and, and ended up in Boston. Um, but this this move could be the sneakiest move, an expensive one, but it could be a sneaky move. to. Because so, obviously we know Ball's dad is bigger, larger than life and all the rest of it. But this, this could really calm down LaMelo and kind of keep things on an even keel. Do we do we start giving Michael Jordan credit for being a good GM and owner? Is is that is that what we're leaning towards here? Like after all those years of just really bad draft picks, terrible contracts, terrible trades, does he get something right in management? Um, was it his choice? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I've always i I grew up in the nineties, and Michael Jordan broke my heart twice. Um, so so we have a bit of beef. Um, well, I have a bit of beef. He really doesn't care because he doesn't know who I am. Um, but, but I think that Michael Jordan was the greatest player in the world, and I think for the the man he was and the player he was, that was fine. But I never thought he would be a coach. I didn't even consider thinking he'd be an owner. I did think he would find some kind of job. I didn't think he'd be in the media either because I don't think he was that great a talker. Um, Certainly post-game conferences and whatever. Um, I never really thought Michael Jordan really fit anywhere. I thought he'd just disappear into the the ether. Um, Whereas on the flip side with Kobe, like you could totally see Kobe going into coaching. You could totally see him like even during his playing years, he was he was coaching guys up because when he was getting to the end of his career, he could tell that his body was starting to give way. And he you did see him communicating with players younger than him and you know, egging them on in a different way than he had done before. Um, whereas Jordan was balls to the wall for for the full kind of until he retired. He did kind of let up a little bit in Washington when he when he played there, but I just, I don't know if you give him the credit. I think there's probably advisors advising him. Um, his name is probably the signature on it, but whether it's him that's actually made the decision, I would be very doubtful. Yeah, that's probably very true. Um, I think, like, if if we look at their their overall kind of careers and what they, they did for the franchises, I think Jordan as an owner was the right kind of move, though. I, like, seen like when he was at the end of his kind of his tail run with the wizards and stuff like that when he was uh trying to obviously bring bring back a franchise or start a franchise and stuff like that it did make sense for him to go to charlotte and you know try and do something there and the fact that he's he's more of this kind of hands-on owner guy and he's always at the games and he's you know he's he's rooting for other young guys etc it shows what his whole mentality is about He's not this kind of guy who get actually one-on-one attention with the players because I don't think like that would be beneficial for Jordan or for the players. Um, it would just be a typical situation where you're either going to love him or hate him. I'm pretty sure you'd probably just hate him, but you'd respect him, respect the hell out of him, but you'd hate him as a, as a, as a mentor. Um, so it's good to see that Borrego and, and the whole kind of coaching staff there, it, they're starting to get their, their stuff together. They are. I mean, one thing about Jordan, and and I think certainly from from interviews and things that I've seen, players that go into Charlotte know that Jordan 
is there. And there is this kind of mystique about Jordan. There's a lot of stories that go along with Jordan and the Hornets. Um, I remember hearing a story where he would turn up to a practice and he'd single out a player and he'd say, you and me are going to go one-on-one. And everyone would go out to the gym, like practice would be finished. And he would just go one-on-one with this player and he'd beat them. And, and like in his age and against their age, uh, and he would just beat them. And so I don't know if there was an intimidation factor, because you've got to remember with the Bulls, I mean, we, we've all seen now the, the last dance. I mean, even I could see there was an intimidation factor back in the 90s when I was watching the Bulls. Um, and it was all him and it was his intensity. And obviously we didn't see the bullying and the <laughs> punching Steve Kerr in the face kind of thing <laughs> back in the 90s. That didn't come until later. But um, you can see that he has an intimidating presence. And I don't know if if those draft picks might have been the right draft picks, but maybe he was the wrong owner because they go in there thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to play for Michael Jordan. Oh, my God, I'm going to play for Michael Jordan. They've got that in their brain, and they shouldn't. They should be thinking, I've just signed in the NBA. I'm brilliant. I'm going to go play. I'm going to show off my talents. I'm going to get a big contract, blah, 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 blah. Instead, they've turned up and they've been like, I'm playing for Michael Jordan. I'm playing for Michael Jordan. It's not I'm playing for Charlotte. I'm playing for Michael Jordan. Um, so I, I, I kind of think that you think he was the, the right owner. He's probably the only owner for Charlotte, let's be honest. Um, who else in Charlotte would, would take on that team? But I think that it, it, it's probably a detriment to them um, and probably will be for, for a while. Um, I'm hoping that Lamelo has got a bit more maturity about him, so he doesn't have that. I'm playing for Jordan. I'm playing for Jordan kind of mentality, and certainly looking at so far, he he doesn't have that. And again, I think guys like Hayward coming in because Hayward won't have that because Hayward's played in the NBA for for a number of years now, so Hayward won't have that mentality. So hopefully that will be instilled in Ball. Yeah, I think I think it definitely it will help the youngsters there. Like you've got Terry who's here, obviously hands a big contract um, coming from the Celtics, and I think those those guys who pot, obviously kind of made their name elsewhere and they're looking to really kind of make their mark with their own team. I think it's it's good to have that kind of feeling that someone else in your management did that, so they know exactly what they've got to kind of live up to if they want to be the franchise centerpiece, you know? So that, that's that's a good thing. Just going back on, on your um, him challenging the Charlotte, Charlotte um, players and stuff like that, who did, who did they have to face? Frank the Tank? Um, <laughs> half a Kemba Walker? Um, Nick Batum? Oh, wow. Real big challenge, Michael. Real big challenge. Yeah, but you think about how old Michael is at, at that time. And you know he, he's still got it, and I, I've always I think I think Michael could t- turn up to an NBA game and still be a rotation player. He wouldn't because he's Michael Jordan. He'd want to start, but he could still turn up to an NBA game at his age, lace up his shoes, and be a rotation player and still add value. He would definitely last longer than Kevin Love anyway these days. Did you see that already? Oh, jeez! Minute, Shots minute fired. And a half. Minute and a half. Well, done, guys. Can we can we get a sub? Can we get a sub? And you know what I love is everyone's been like, "Oh, Kevin Love should go to Utah." Kevin Love should go to Utah. <laughs> and I've been saying, "No, Kevin Love should go to Utah." <laughs> so glad you didn't. Um, what yeah. we'll do then is we will um, take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Cool. Welcome back. Uh, still got Ryan with us, um, and Ryan, it was a, a triple double watch um, and a record as well this weekend. Yep, five in, in one day, which is you know spectacular. You had uh, James Harden, uh, Julius Randle, Demontis Sabonis, and then you had the pair of Russell Westbrook and Giannis having triple doubles against each other. Giannis obviously getting the best of it which is, is no real surprise. Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double is, you know, it, they come along with buses these days. They're just, they're there all the time. Um, the, the bigger one that I'm kind of surprised at is Randall actually having more than just scoring to his game. 
You know, he, he's done a lot this year in terms of improving his defense, but having a triple double is not something I thought that I would say Julius Randle would have this year. I think Sabonis as well. I, I'm not surprised by Sabonis because I think it's just it's just part of his natural progression. Um, from from day one when he walked in the NBA, he obviously looked green around the years, and I don't think he's ever actually struggled. I think with the minutes that he's played, I think coaches have, have kind of managed that really well, put him into games where he can add value. Um, and I think he's just built upon that over the years. Obviously, he's had to do it at different teams, under different coaches. Um, but I think he's really coming into his own. And I think he is going to be such a, a powerful player um, over the next few years. And I think Indiana need to hold on to him for dear life because I think he could be huge. For, I think he could be uh, make a bigger impact than, than Brogdon and Turner kind of combined. Just a, a quick quick question for you. Who do you think is younger? Kendrick Nunn or DeMontis Sabonis? Is Sabonis not younger? Sabonis is younger. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, but that's that nice little kind of the more you know uh, trivia there. Um, I, I, I've always been a big fan of Sabonis. I think that OKC messed up in a big way selling for pretty much nothing. You know they got they got nothing back for his for his his um his trade, and the fact that he's just you know turned into this absolute beast of a player uh, in Indiana. Now obviously it's the first kind of time that he's had a triple double, I believe, but he is one of the leaders of double doubles this whole year. So he's been on the verge of getting a triple double. I'm pretty sure it was near the, the start of this year where he was like one assist away or something like that, and. Brogdon or Oladipo just couldn't hit a shot to to you know get him over that little kind of edge there. So I think it, the, the kind of twin towers that um, the Pacers have, they're not your traditional twin towers of two big men playing at the same time. So that's, that's what I was saying the other week there. The fact that they're going to be coming up against possibly a third seed, that is going to be a, a slippery, slippery banana skin for a possible high seed in the, in the East. Yeah, I think the, the Pacers are, are are pretty strong. You look at the team, and I mean, we talked about Karis LeBert returning uh, this week as well, and he he adds so much to a team. Um, I, I genuinely hope that he's healthy um, and that he can manage the the minutes because it was quite a lot of minutes his first game back. But if he can manage that right off the bat and put up the numbers that he's putting up, um, then that just adds to the arsenal that the Pacers have. And I think they are exceptionally dangerous come playoff time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they still got, obviously, TJ Warren might come back for the playoffs as well. So that's another another string to their bow there. Well, that's another player that exploded. I mean, he was useless and a a non-entity in Phoenix. Walks in, in into Indiana into the bubble and was like, "Well, TJ Warren can actually play basketball." Yeah, I mean he had he had flashes in Phoenix, but I think the fact that obviously Phoenix were always trying to grow Booker, he never really got the shots that he needed or the kind of the actual respect on court time. He was more of a, "We'll just bring him off the bench. We'll play 10, 15 minutes a night. We'll see what he can do. If he doesn't do anything amazing, yeah, we'll just stick in the kind of ten minute role." So Indiana, obviously had issues with health and kind of forced uh, TJ Warren to kind of step up and he did. So fantastic for him. No, he did in a big way. And I was impressed with him in the bubble. I was, I was really, really impressed with him. Um, Indiana are one of my kind of, uh, if you're ever watching league pass, you, you can have a league, couple of league pass teams that if they're on, then and your team's not that you watch, then you kind of watch them. And Indiana's that for me. Indiana's one of those teams that if they're on and the Jazz aren't playing, I watch the Indiana game. It doesn't matter who they're playing against because they are such a well-coached team. They've got some cracking players, uh, Sabonis, Levert, um, Brogdon when he's playing well. Um, so they, they are kind of that team that I'll watch on League Pass just because it's usually quite an exciting game. It's usually quite a close game as well. So it makes, makes it more fun to watch. Yeah, I, I got to say, like I, I, I got into them um, a little bit back last season. 
um, when M- McMillan was doing quite a good job. So I was quite surprised to see him go from Indiana. But yeah. um, seeing that Bjorkins came in, Bjorken, you know, he's going to be up there in the t- kind of top five coaches in the NBA discussion soon. Because um, the stuff he comes out with, with timeouts and, you know, with close games, he's really, really good at getting his way back into games. He's not so good. He's not got the game management style down yet. Obviously, they've lost quite a lot of kind of close games uh, in the end. But if they're down by 15, 20 points going into the fourth, don't roll them out. They'll come back at you. Yeah. No, they've been pretty good. Um, what else have you? What else has been going on this week? So I think it's it's time to talk about some possible moves, and it's time to talk about you know players. It, their time's up basically. You're looking at Lamarcus Aldridge, possibly or definitely going to be out of the Spurs system now. That pops come out and says, "Yeah, we're looking at moving him on." He's been told he's not playing for the team anymore, etc. Which you know. Big, big shocks. Pop Pop doesn't do this lightly. He, they don't make um, in-season trades or in-season moves at all. And LA, just, you know, not going to be in, in San Antonio anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a bit of a shock to me because I think he kind of went there to be the man. Um, and I don't think he ever really, he ever took over that mantle, maybe for a season or something, but um, where, where do you think he'd end up? Well, I, I think that he, I would love to see him in Portland. That That's the destination I think he should go to. He could end up in one of the LA teams, which is probably more likely. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I don't see there's a lot of teams that, that kind of could use a player like him because he's not got long left. He's, he's definitely shown this year that he's definitely transforming into a shell himself you know he's just he's just not got the legs to last more than 15 minutes a game and that's it's so disappointing to see that after you know having such a long layoff last year I thought this year he's going to come back he's going to become you know almost back to almost peak LA and he's just he's just not there nah he's not and like you say it's a shame because he did have a couple of good years in San Antonio but it's just never really kind of Went anywhere. Um, anyone else on the move? Um, PJ PJ Tucker um, has also been told he is not welcome in a Houston Rockets uniform, which I think we all seen was gonna was gonna happen at some point. They are in total rebuild mode, and they're looking at shopping everyone, um, including possibly even their their own basketball stands, um, just just to get anything you know just of value. They're going to keep pretty much Christian Wood, maybe John Wall, everyone else. They're up for sale, you know. So PJ PJ Tucker again could possibly go to either of the LA teams. I think there there are a lot of interest from from those guys into PJ Tucker. And um, what I'm quite surprised at is the Nets have also said they're looking at possibly getting PJ Tucker. Now I don't know how that works. They need a big guy. He is not a big guy. He's played a lot as a big guy, but he's definitely not a big guy. He's not a big guy, but I think certainly for Houston, he's, he's played as a big guy before. Um, so I suppose he has that kind of experience. But like you say, they, they signed Blake Griffin um, and then he's out for two weeks straight away. So I suppose they're kind of going to have to try and bridge the gap until Blake comes back because even if Blake does come back, he's probably going to get injured at some point down the road anyway. Yeah, and what what if you're going to say a big guy, you want a big guy to be athletic, a rim protector, you know, someone that can possibly take some of the minutes away from Daniel Jordan. Instead, you get a guy who's transformed into the most stationary of stationary three point shooters in the league, rather than the dunker that he that he once used to be. So I understand the Blake the Blake thing. Maybe it's the whole fact that well, KD and Kyrie are real good friends with DeAndre Jordan. And DeAndre Jordan was really good friends with Blake Griffin. Let's just get the band back together, you know, and see what happens. I just, I don't think that's going to be the same kind of, let, let's get all the friends back together like LeBron had in Cleveland, etc. That seems to be what they're trying to do in Brooklyn, is, is kind of get the band back together. And like you say, I think it's, it's tough to do 
Um, and obviously we've got salary caps and taxes and everything else that come on top of that. So I think it's tough because then you're asking players to take pay cuts and stuff to, and really undervalue themselves. And I suppose then they have the choice to they undervalue themselves or do they, do they try and win a championship together? Um, obviously, these players make millions of dollars a year anyway, regardless of their contract. But uh, even the kind of minimum, uh, so like 1.3, 1.5 million or something for uh, a vet. So it's a tough one um, if you're if you're PG Tucker because you might want to kind of get one last kind of payday before you start thinking of kind of father time catching up on you. I, I don't think PJ's in that thought mode. I think PJ knows that once he leaves the NBA, he's not going to leave the NBA. He's going to be, he's, he's going to be a really good coach. I think he'll follow the kind of John Howard kind of model, go and coach in college, work his way up, etc. He's just got that kind of basketball mind. He's, he's very, very knowledgeable on the court. And he, if you've ever watched any of the kind of Houston Rockets games, it was never James Harden leading the team talks. It was PJ Tucker. He's just got that that kind of insight that a lot of the, those guys in Houston were lacking. And that's the thing. I mean, James Harden probably wasn't giving team talks because he was too busy arguing with Chris Paul. <laughs> no, he was, he was too busy deciding when he was going to go out the the next night. For that's where he was. That's what he was. His mind was on. Yeah, I mean, which strip club was going to be open? Um, during during lockdowns, um, who else is going to be out for two weeks? There's another player going to be out as well. Yeah, I think we we talked about a little earlier on that um, Joel Embiid's going out for at least two weeks. You've got um, Kevin Durant being out at least two weeks as well, possibly, uh, and also Anthony Davis. So a lot of guys that are going to be out. Um, strangely enough, the fact that the Nets are going to be without all the ring men. Um, that basically just leaves the DeAndre Jordan, who's not, you know, unfamiliar uh, with injuries. So if he goes down, do Kyrie and Harden still keep the Nets plowing on? I think that becomes a bit more of a kind of struggle there. I think it does, especially when you go against teams that have pretty decent big men. Um, if you go up against a Miami, even a, an Orlando. Um, Vucevic is playing great again this season so yeah it's definitely a tough one um, a big man that's had a few issues is Myers Leonard um, he's been banned for a week and fined for it was, it was anti-Semitic remarks um, for himself um, but he's like a he's quite big on social media and yeah he's when you're on, he's, when you're on social he's, media he, you have to be careful yeah, he's he's very big in the in the kind of the gaming sense and in the the kind of whole social aspect. He's a avid clapper of hands and benches, uh, as he has been since the bubble last year. Um, Miami swiftly realizing that Myers Leonard is not a good player in a NBA championship possible run uh, and benching him. Um, if you look back at his kind of career in Portland and stuff, they realized as well. He is not a good center. He is not a rim protector. Real good shooter, but does he provide any kind of defense? Not really. He's a massive guy. I don't. I don't get it. He's such a big guy. You'd think he'd be a real imposing guy to be um, faced with in the paint. But if you look at all his advanced advanced statistics, he doesn't. He doesn't like intimidate guys. He doesn't uh, pose a threat to guards when they go up against him. So. I'm not. I don't think it's a big loss um, for Miami, especially given the fact that um, they own uh, his team option for next year. Um, little tidbit as well: uh, Miami are owned by an Israeli American owner, so I doubt that he will be welcoming him back after this. No, oh, so he could be. He could be finding himself unemployed. Never mind a new team. I mean, they could just buy him out and send him home. Yeah, I mean, they not just that. They actually, um, he actually got a lot of his kind of contracts cancelled via social media. They got dropped by I don't know if you know Phase Gaming. They dropped him. Um, his controller and headset sponsor dropped him. He got, I'm pretty sure, got banned on Twitch as well. Which you know, it's just a a calamity of errors um, from from Myers. Which you know, he's he's been a bit kind of outspoken. 
in the last year, obviously he was one of the guys who was not kneeling for the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, etc. And he was very outspoken on that. So even he gave, a, okay, he gave a he gave a pretty good reason for that though, because it was he did, his he brother. Did. His brother's yeah. in the military, and he he fit, he didn't want to disrespect his brother. So, um, and I think the players around him actually respected the fact that he came out and said, "Look, guys, like I respect what you're doing, but I'm going to do it this way because of my reasons." And I think there was quite a mutual respect that he kind of been quite mature about it. And I think this is why this this kind of situation has kind of shocked people a bit because they remember what he was like last year. Um, and how respectful he was um, around the whole thing. And yes, he got crap online and whatever else But um, last year. But this this was like a whole new level. Um, and this this has shocked a lot of people. And some people have kind of come to his defence. Oh, he didn't really mean it in that way. And some people have been like, no, he definitely knew what he was saying. Um, and I think it's obviously a judgment call. But if you're saying the owners are who they are, that, that does make his time in the NBA um, somewhat limited, potentially, um, if that's what it comes to. Um, another player, um, it's just come out to date, in fact, um, who played for the Utah Jazz, um, had made um, uh, an allegation against Dennis Lindsay, who at the time was the GM. He's now the executive vice president of basketball operations in Utah. Um, about uh, a bigoted remark being made to him uh, in an exit interview in 2015. Um, now, um, the Utah Jazz announced that an investigation had kind of taken place um, in partnership with the NBA. And as part of the investigation, um, all participants involved in the meeting in 2015 were interviewed and given the opportunity to provide evidence. Um, that included Millsap. Um, uh, Elijah Millsap that is and because obviously we had Paul Millsap for a while as well Um, but nothing's really come out of this I mean the the NBA have kind of come out and said that there's no there's no evidence either way that anything bigoted was said Um, there is just an allegation Um, obviously I mean this is back in 2015 we're now in 2021 so we're talking like almost six years ago um, that this alleged um, bigoted remark was was made. It, I, I fair play for the player kind of coming out and saying, and kind of standing up and saying, you know, this is wrong, because if that is what was said, then yes, that would be very, very wrong. But he's taken six years to kind of come out, and he's also, he's done it on Twitter. He's not actually... I don't think he initially made the the complaint to the NBA. He's kind of done it on Twitter. And then the NBA have picked it up and the NBA have held an investigation on the back of that. So I like how he, I I don't like how the way he's went about it. And I don't like the way he's kind of taken so many years to kind of come around to kind of mention it. Um, It does sadly look a bit more like sour grapes than anything else. Um, And Dennis Lindsay obviously has quite a, a good standing in the NBA and quite a, a good reputation um, within the NBA. But just because you have a good reputation doesn't mean that you're a saint, obviously. Um, this is a tough one for the NBA because there has been so much time gone by. Yeah, I, I don't I don't quite understand uh, why he did take so much time to come out with it. Because if you remember the year before was the whole Donald Sterling thing. So obviously that had been the news the year before. If someone says something like that in an exit interview after the whole Donald Sterling thing, it would blow up instantly. So the player has to know that he has all the power at that moment. And if he doesn't say anything then, it is quite suspicious. Yeah, and I think the fact that uh, obviously you hear Quinn Snyder talk and you see him talking to players, interacting with players, I think that the players, regardless of, of race, on his team love Quinn Snyder and are huge fans. And Quinn Snyder is comes across, I'm not saying he is, but he does come across as someone who looks out for his players. Um, I've seen video of him, of people sitting behind the team bench and like 
you just see nothing but support for his players, regardless of what's going on on the court. Like he, he runs over to refs and he's, he's sticking up for his players and calls out other coaches and stuff. So um, I, I am quite shocked by this um, coming out. It's quite sad because obviously then Utah are obviously on a bit of a run at the moment, they're top of the NBA. Um, I, I really hope it wasn't said. Um, the, the words, I'm not going to repeat it, what was said, but for, for that to be said, you would, and you mentioned Donna's dead, Sterling, the, the Sterling incidents. Um, you would think that that was quite in the, it was quite prominent in the media at the time. So if you wanted to have a conversation with a Ramona Shelbourne or Rachel Nichols or someone like Zach Lowe, then that, that could have come out quite quickly um, back then. But now it, it just doesn't, it's almost like a, a non-story because it's just so long ago. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see what comes out from the investigations, but um, we don't, we don't, I don't think we have enough. Yeah, so uh, they've held the, they the held the invest, yeah, they held the investigation and, and they interviewed everyone involved. So Snyder, uh, Dennis Lindsay, Millsap, and they've not named other people that were there in the meeting, but um, th- those are obviously the three names that they have because those were the names that Millsap um, said that were there. Um, so they've held held their investigation and could find no evidence. So it just, I don't know, it just seems a bit weird. Um, obviously they waived Millsap um, and he, he kind of played for the Suns um, and he, he's not really kind of played since. Um and he is the younger brother of, of Paul Millsap, and Paul Millsap hasn't hasn't come out either way. Um, but obviously, Paul Millsap had a pretty pretty decent career in Utah before he headed out to Atlanta. So, um, and he's never said anything about anything of that nature, and neither has any other player either. So, which kind of makes me think that um, it hasn't been said. Um, I can't say whether it was or wasn't, but. It, it, I would err on the side that it probably wasn't, and this is just one of these tweets that you kind of he probably typed up, sent, and was like two seconds later, oh crap, I'm going to delete that, and by that point it's got like forty five likes, seventeen comments, and he just wants to curl up in a ball, and it's kind of had to follow it through because the NBA have then started an investigation. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a strange one. It's a strange one to say the least. Um. Talking jazz, since we all know that you're a jazz here, um, the jazz played uh, the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. Now, sadly for me, that is, um, the jazz didn't have a great time. Steph Curry went absolutely off on one, uh, had a, an outstanding game, uh, scored 32 points. You know who scored big in this game, apart from Curry, was Andrew Wiggins, 28 points. Three rebounds. He had three steals. That's quite impressive for a player that in Minnesota was accused of being lazy and not too bothered. I mean, he's going up against the best team in the NBA at the moment and putting up decent numbers. So you're saying that another guy who's who's been often labelled as a non-threat offensively, not a shooter, possibly a bust, Puts up some big numbers against Utah Jazz. Color me not surprised. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, I think like there, you're always going to have flashes from Andrew Wiggins of good games, but it's the consistency that just it, it really bites at him. The fact that he can't string like seven, eight games in a row without throwing up a couple of absolute stinkers, and I think that's what's the problem with uh, Golden State Warriors just now. They've got him and Kelly Oubre, and they're taking it in turns of having absolute stinkers. And if one of them goes off, you usually find the other one goes home and, you know, shouldn't even bother of showing up that night. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that um, that we beat the Jazz, mainly for the fact that when Steph goes off, he can really go off. And their bench, their bench is sneaky in how how many points they can put up. They've got a lot of point guards who can, you know, real do some real damage. So 
yeah, that I don't think it's it's more of a surprise on that end. What I have been, you know, quite surprised at is how bad Donovan Mitchell has been. We kind of talked about it at the start that you're saying he's been a bit more mature, wanting to get everyone else involved in the offense, but he's not taking over games. And I think that's really costing them. I think they need to get back into the mentality of, right, Donovan, you're a closer. Close this out. Yeah, I would I would say he's definitely had a quieter season than, than most um, of his season so far. I think he has he has went into this like, I'm now going to be a team player. And obviously that didn't work when Hayward was there. This kind of score by committee kind of thing um, that went on. And I do hope that, you know, this is just a, a temporary thing because we have seen players like Jordan Clarkson take off. Joe Ingles can sometimes just turn up and just turn it on. Royce O'Neill has been, um, had, had some cracking games. Even Georges Niang. Georges Niang had a great game before the All-Star weekend um, and just went off. And I don't know if maybe Donovan's like, I'm going to take a step back and let you guys kind of take over. Um and I think what he has to do, if he's going to do that, he has to realise that, hang on, right, no one's taken over yet. I'm going to have to kind of step up again. And I think that's maybe what's, maybe what's let him down a little. Yeah, definitely. I think he, I like, he's got quite a good relationship with um, Damien Lord. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he that does. he needs to have a bit more one-on-one time with him and, you know, really pick his brain over when does he know he, he has to turn it on and be the man. Because Dame has that just, you know, in his DNA. And it's just, any time, Lillard will just go, right, I'm winning this game now. Everyone out of the way. This is my show. You know, Donovan doesn't have that yet. Which, obviously, accounts from his probably, his inexperience and his kind of, like, immaturity in that kind of instance. Um, But I think he he should be knowledgeable enough to see that his teammates are struggling. Um, Bogdanovich is one of the guys you didn't mention there. He's had a couple of really good games in the past month. Which, to to my you know my dismay, I dropped him quite early on in the fantasy season because he was just throwing up stinker after stinker, uh, and it didn't it didn't hurt me too bad. But there was a couple of games where I wish I could have had him. Um, so when he's not firing and when he's not getting you know a couple of steals or the occasional assist, I think that really does should, should signal to Donovan right. It's my turn. I have to do this. Yeah. And I think with the week that they've got coming up, um, they've got Boston on Tuesday, they've got the Wizards on Thursday, uh, the Raptors on Friday, um, and then they've kind of got a long weekend before they take on the Bulls. Um, I think this is probably a good week um, because they're going to go up against some pretty decent guards. um, And obviously you've got Tatum as well in Boston, but um, I think this could be quite a pivotal week for for Utah um, and their season. And I really hope that they aren't going to start to slide because they've had such a good first half of the season. I'd hate to see them slide. Um, what we'll do then is we'll wrap up there. Um, it's been a pretty good packed show. We've managed to cover quite a quite a lot there. Um, any final thoughts for the week ahead? Uh, just just touching on, the, on the, the jazz there. Quick question. What do you think the easiest or most winnable game for the Jazz is going to be out of those three? They're probably the Wizards. Really? Wow. Yeah. The Wizards have been, you know, they've been putting up some real good performances of late and Bradley Beal has not been shooting well. That doesn't last. Bradley Beal, you know, usually is a real consistent performer. So I actually think that the Toronto Raptors game might be your, your most winnable game given the fact that they've got so many absences with COVID again. So... Yeah, that's 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 my two cents on it. Okay, so we've got no chance against Boston, no chance against Washington. Is that what you're saying? No, I I, I don't see but no chance against Boston. I mean, you've got Washington, a reputation. But... You've got a reputation as a jazz hater. You, you're not making it any easier. Nah, never, never. I... <laughs> nah, I still think you'll probably win two of the three, um, but it might not be the two that you're thinking of. Uh, We'll have to wait and see, and we will talk about it next week.
Huge thank you to Ryan uh, for coming on again, giving his expertise. He did have last week off. Um, get us on our social media feeds across the Pond Sports Network on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, on Twitter at ATP Sports Pod, on Clubhouse at ATP Sports. Um, got a lot of exciting things coming. Um, we've got Major League Baseball launching next week. We're going to have a WNBA podcast, um, an XFL podcast, and we're even in talks to have Across the Pond College Football um, as well. Um, just a, another podcast um, and lots of content that's hopefully enjoyable and fun, um, and you get a lot out of it. Um, we certainly value your feedback. We've had quite a lot of feedback um, in the last few weeks, um, so please continue to feed that into us because... We want to give you the best listening experience you can have. Um, can't please everyone all the time, but we can certainly try our best um, to give some great content, some great opinions, and some great news as to what's going on around the world of sports. Uh, but you've been listening to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.